nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another thrill-packed, fun-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living, and joining me, Sir Very, Very Tired and Sleepy Michael Livesley, this week we have... We have the exhausted um, Paul Wood. I'll explain why. All right, then. Paul Wood. Or does Paul have wood? I found a lump of wood. Far too tired for that sort of (laughs) this age. Not since 1989, (laughs) dear boy. Um, I found a lump of wood on the streets of Toxteth this week, funnily enough. Sorry. I didn't know where you were going with that. You found wood in Toxteth. I found wood in Toxteth, yes. It 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 was absolutely very, very surprising. And I brought it home and it burnt wonderfully. And it was, it was really light when I picked it up, so obviously the damn thing had been riddled with woodworm. But it was just mm. like a big, gnarly sort of the root of a, I suppose, a sycamore tree or something like that. So I was like, right. I'm having that. Um, no, absolutely. So I suppose that was a nice thing, finding free fuel. Yes. No, that that is. That's a lovely thing, actually, to have, yeah. I think, finding something like that. I think that's a lovely thing. Yes. So, yes, that's, that's a good, nice thing. It yeah. is, and because and, it's getting colder, dear. Well, I did promise you. Now I know it was you several did. weeks ago, Months. and I think, yeah, maybe. But let's be honest: the season has started to turn. It certainly has. Season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. What's Absolutely, that? and something oh, bosomed eaves or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. But yes. isn't it about time? And the lovely thing is that up there, the and I know yours is awaiting you is the uh, the vinyl yeah. of the box of delights uh, soundtrack, and it's nearly time to crack that out, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is. I love the cover of that. I, I love anything with Robert Stevens, obviously, you know, but I, th- I mm. think it's a very nice cover. Very evocative of uh, those sort of... When when they rebooted Who in 96 and they did those new covers for everything. I mean, I was That's always right, quite yeah. fond of the... Um, Andrew Skilleter was the one who couldn't really draw Doctor Who was. he. Nevertheless, I do have a copy mm. of Blacklight. Um, yes. But but the guys who drew the covers, what was it, Alistair something or other, spelled S-T-E-R? Alistair Pearson. Alistair Pearson, and there was another mm. guy did. I love those video covers and the diamond logos. So, Absolutely. Um, well, what you've got here is you've got a kind of a continuation. This is being done, uh, that cover, and so many now are done by uh, Clayton Hickman. Oh, yeah. Uh, who is formerly of Doctor Who magazine, and, and very yes. good to follow, I must say. On, oh, his um, work's superb. It's wonderful if you can f- if you find him on Twitter at Clayton Hickman. I think it's as simple as yeah. that. The the work that he does, and at the moment he's recreating um, Radio Times front mm. covers, but finding the original sort of like high res photos yeah. that they would have used for the cover, um, creating these beautiful high definition Radio Times uh, images. It's wonderful work. Stunning. The invasion of Earth one the other day was particularly nice, wasn't it? How he found oh, it all beautiful. the sort of the textures for the type and stuff like that. Yeah, Absolutely he's he's stunning. he's definitely worth a follow. He's he's an amazing mm. uh, graphic artist. So mm. um, I've explained my wood. What about your wood, Paul? My wood uh, comes from the the nice thing that um, arrived uh, a couple of days ago that I haven't told you uh, about yet. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Michael Wood, uh, the historian. And the uh, the shows that he's done. I mean, my my absolute favourite, of course, is he did a series called In Search of Shakespeare. Yes, um, which is only four. Yeah, it's only a four parter In Search of Shakespeare. But then again, we don't know that much, which is uh, something that I think Bill Bryson, in his autobiography of Shakespeare, he he starts by saying, "Look, it it is a thin book, but it's because I'm just giving you the facts. I'm not going to give you the the bollocks that Uh, uh, people assume." What I love about the Bryson book is how he contextualizes why a boy child 
would have been so nurtured, looked after, and so very special at a time mm. when he he, pre- he reprints the Stratford upon Avon village births and deaths records, doesn't it? Mm, and it's it kind of like there ain't many baby boys surviving during there those plague no. days. So no, he the mortality be, rates are stunning, yeah. aren't they? So yeah, yeah so it is contextualising that in a way that yes, Shakespeare is special, but then again, the fact that anyone survived made them made them pretty special. Uh, and Michael Wood's done um, so many series uh, in search of over the, over the years. And one that I loved, and I remember when it was on, and it was on, God, I think it was on when I was six, was In Search of the Dark Ages. And over the years, I've found a few episodes on uh, YouTube, and they're from, you know, VHS, copied down and down. And in a moment of stroppiness, I thought, well, I'm going to have a moan about this on Twitter. Why isn't this available on, on DVD? Yes. That sort of thing. So just to be certain, I went to Amazon, just 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 so I could be certain I was moaning about the right thing. And blow me down if it isn't available oh, on nice. DVD. Nice. In Search of the Dark Ages. And I... I love this. Um, I've watched half the series so far. It's 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 beautiful. It's so relaxing. It's lovely. But it does. It it brings me to a point which I think we've talked about before. I don't think we've particularly talked about on the podcast. Um, but where have all the clever people gone on telly? Why can't you have clever people? What's going on? What's the outlet for them now? I mean, one of the one of the most lovely things is on one of the Doctor Who Blu-ray sets. There's uh, a full edition of um, Call My Bluff. Because uh, Tom Baker guests on it, nice, and beautiful, absolutely lovely. Twenty-five minutes of just people being quite clever, um, mm. a bit like QI was when it began. Um, I think we've got we've got less of that now, haven't we? We've gone away from the from the clever dinner dinner party humour room QI. And more I haven't watched it in the, ages because I don't watch the telly. No, yeah, it's it has lost some of that warmth that I think it certainly had at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so rare now. I don't. I, I wish that someone would just bring Call My Bluff back. It's happened several times, hasn't it? It's had many. Um, oh yeah, reappearances. The, the one with yeah. Alan Corrin. I think Bob Holness in the uh, late nineties was wonderful. Wonderful stuff. But um, we don't have that outlet now, really, do we? And that's a no, shame. No, clever people tend not to be getting anywhere near the telly. But I think mm. that that's down to a general dumbing down of. Um, <coughs> the population as such i think that there's again this goes back to uh television by committee and program planners telling us what uh, they think we should watch yeah there is that well you're right and then the other day it may have even been today it's been a long week hasn't it we were having a chat uh about john woodnut uh who's a wonderful wonderful old actor with a, a craggy face Yes. And we don't get people who look like that anymore. Rubber-faced. Not, yeah, it's not because they don't exist. They are still out there. But again, is it? I suppose maybe what we now have is the need to have an aesthetic. Um, That's of, correct. Of physical as well as mental. And it's it's sad. It does sadden me that but there's no space you, for clever people. That's what you get when you live in times that um, the actual acquisition and diffusion of knowledge is secondary to the aesthetical appearance of people mm. and and that seems to be where we are now i mean i think mm. she made a great case for this i could be getting it wrong was it jan leeming or, or one of the news readers maybe super i don't know one of them it was like as soon as she hit a certain age you're out 
Mm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So yes, I yeah. think that whether we like this or not, you know, um, I like to think of myself as part of the younger generation. <laughs> Absolutely, um, Kenny, <laughs> Cliff Richard and the younger generation. But uh, but um, people who are clever, as you so mm. say, um, tend to be of a certain vintage. And I don't mm. think people over a certain age are allowed on TV. Mm. And so, like I said, uh, you know, um, younger academics need to acquire the life experience and they need to come up and they mm. need to grow into that role. But we're not mm. allowed crusty old people on telly. We're just not. Well, we're not. No. And I think that for me, I mean, obviously, one of the one of the saddest things at the moment is the fact that BBC Four is just being whittled away slowly. And some of the programmes that that I think of on BBC4 and some of the people who present on BBC4. Um, I've always loved watching uh, Dr. Janina Ramirez. Yeah, she's great. Get it right. Tired. Yes. Dr. Janina Ramirez. I can't say it. I'm so no. sorry. I do love your work. Um, yes. But she's her work is absolutely wonderful. And of course, BBC4 provided that platform, but as we both know, BBC4 seems to be just budget-wise going and going and going and going, and it's not going to be there much I longer. I think for me, uh, the what I noticed to be a degradation in quality of the way in which historical material was presented was around about the late 90s when they started doing kind of dramatisations within the documentary. Now... Mm. What Watkins, Peter Watkins did with Culloden and things like that was he turned it into an art form and made it a piece of reportage which wasn't in any way attempting to masquerade as a factual programme. But mm. I remember watching a documentary on Channel 4 about Cromwell um, and they were dramatising scenes between him and whoever and it was just like, you weren't there, mm. you know. And so I think that it's incumbent upon people making historical documentaries for you to be able to go right okay as you said with bill bryson we're presenting mm. you with just the facts mm. right i don't want to watch fabricated conversations you know mm. with with oliver cromwell and and his is sort of his is his sergeants at arms no i don't want to unless someone wrote it all down yes. you know um yeah like queen elizabeth the first speech at tilbury if, if things were written down fine I don't mm. mind that, but I don't yep. want it to be fabricated. So I think that it's one of those things we're living in this post-truth age, aren't we? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so history is presented in a way which is palatable mm. to the audience. Yeah, yeah. No, which makes it reminds me actually of um, something. I don't know if I've ever told you. Have I talked on the podcast about my chum who once made a porno? No, I'd remember that. Right. Okay. I'm not going to. Use, I'm not going to say his name because he's got a very good job now. Um, but it's a friend I met back in oh about 1997, um, and he had aspirations to be a filmmaker. And right. the and um, he was he gathered together money from back when the lottery funded things. Yeah. Pardon me. Um, and he gathered together the money to make um, a spy spoof, um, which I ended up getting the lead in, and and we shot it in Very Austria. Good. And oh, it was lovely! It was great. We we were in Austria and Prague and so on. But the only thing he'd done before was um, this uh, pornography uh, film uh, with a prostitute and his mate Vlad, um, which he'd made over in the Czech Republic. But I can talk about the the whole thing of Prague another time. But um, oh, you then... might have mentioned Prague. 
I think I may have done, probably not the porn. Um, but then yeah. after that, he started getting some freelance work and he got one of those uh, TV history jobs. Um, yeah. Just when when ITV was still making local programming, really, um, and it was for Granada, and it was a programme called Lost Treasures, and it was all about the history of the region um, yeah. in various ways. Um, and there was one which was about, I think it was a gold... It was a gold ornament or something which had been smuggled out of the country it was in and taken on board a U-boat and was being smuggled back to Germany and the boat was torpedoed. And I ended up in that playing a Nazi captain. Oh, yes. Oh, I think I've seen a screen grab of that. Are you you on a boat in some kind of uniform? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was... um, Yeah, I ended up playing a Nazi, which was rather good fun, actually. Yes. so, I, yeah, that was lovely, but I recall there was a very strict thing, which I think you would have approved of, which was no dialogue. Um, that ah. that wasn't allowed in any of the reconstructions, and they reconstructed all sorts. So you had Roman period reconstructed one week, and you'd have the Stone Age, and you'd have World War Two. But, again, the policy there... I remember the presenter's name, I think, was Mark, I think. Um, and it was quite strict, that unless we could say historically these things happen... Right, good. No, absolutely not. So I was told, could I sound German instead? So uh, Those sort of noises, and so, you know, a little bit like that. But oh. with... Yeah, um, but but absolutely no dialogue. It's nice to play a Nazi for the day, though. I got oh, to wear yes. big boots and shout. Ooh, that, that sounds nice, dear. It's um, nice. Well, going back to what we were saying, and I was trying to remember, and mm. I didn't have a cheeky Google on my phone, I have to say, uh, then. So, uh, in the way in which history is reshaped and, and changed over time. So, I was watching the other day a great video, right? Mm. And you can take it as fantasy or you can take it as fact. It's entirely up to you. It is um, a guy called Alan Wilson, right? He's a Welsh historian. Um, and... Um, his theory is that there were two King Arthurs, right? One who defeated the Romans, one who defeated the Saxons. And he explains the legends that way. But it doesn't end there. Oh, boy, does it not end there with Alan. So according to Alan, the Cumbric people originally came from Syria or um, Troy, right? He claims that Brutus of Troy came to Britain, and Britain is named after Brutus of Troy. And he claims that uh, the Ark of the Covenant is here. He claims that Jesus is buried here. Um, he claims that uh, the only way you can make sense of the very ancient um, sort of uh, carvings and ru- not runic, uh, like cuneiform work, I can't think. I, I, I was half watching it. Anyway, he says that if you apply early uh, Welsh um, alphabet to this uh-huh. very early inscription from those parts of the world then it makes sense right because it's actually written in welsh now this has verisimilitude to uh the life of brian but you know what about the welsh section (laughs) (laughs) but it's 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 a fascinating thing so alan wilson if you look alan Mm. wilson up and two king arthurs on um google you'll find Mm. uh, in very interesting videos that he did but also um he claims that in the um, early 18th century, hmm. British history, history was completely rewritten, right? Hmm. Completely rewritten to suit, again, the idiosyncrasies and the aesthetics of the age. Hmm. He claims that vast swathes of our history were just ignored, but they still exist. 
um, in the British History Museum in the form of, you know, old, um, what did he call them? They weren't bulls. Papal bull is that, isn't it? Yes, um, yeah. But he calls them something. There's a, there's a name for these British things that we wrote. We wrote histories as we went along. Yes. And a lot of what he says is backed up in um, Tacitus and a lot of other stuff. It's very compelling, dear. Well, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Because if you look at sort of Shakespeare when he writes um, the, the his Roman pieces, obviously, principally, you've got Julius Caesar. You've got this sort of like idealized idea of the classical world mm. which is learned and and everyone wears togas and everyone there's a, a an intellectual superiority and of course then when they start to uncover pompeii and there's just cocks everywhere yeah that to the victorian mindset was oh no no this is wrong well, this isn't history look at what the victorians did to the temple at karnak you know, mm. in Egypt, they went all through the Temple of Karnak and smashed all the big stone cocks off the statues. I yeah. think I'm right in saying that, uh, is it Isis impregnates Osiris, his own mm. mother, and he's reborn in the morning? That's what the Temple of Karnak's all about. He defeats Set, doesn't he? Uh, yes. Satan. Uh, yes. uh, someone will write it. No, they won't, actually. But, but you know, um, I think it's something like Isis defeats Set impregnates Osiris and is reborn in the morning as the sun and, and this is the battle that goes on every day so the temple mm. at Karnak and the Victorians just went through oh no we can't have penises I've got to bring my wife through here later yeah. <laughs> um, so um, and you, and then you know even with Shakespeare you had Garrick bastardising it you had Boldler who completely oh. you know, left his mark on our language by the way in which he treated Shakespeare so it's mm. interesting, isn't it? Everyone thinks that it's the Talawan, Talawan, the Taliban um, blowing up uh, the Buddhas. Um, oh, the Banyan Buddhas. The Banyan yeah. Buddhas at uh, the yeah. Millennium. They think that this has never happened before. Mm. But but there are many, many... Uh, in fact, I think I remember what he... I think he called them the Brutes, these bloody ancient histories of Britain. I really will have to brush up on this Alan Wilson stuff. And you will have mm. to watch it too, because I think that you'd be just fascinated by him. It's just Would great you... how he goes about Madog, right? This Welsh King Madog, and he discovered oh, America yeah. long before. But it's kind of like this... I don't know if it's Welsh nationalism or whatever it is, you know, sort of let's woven through it. It's yeah. like, do, do you remember in... Um, uh, goodness gracious me, the characters, whatever it was, it was like, Indian. Yes. No matter it yeah, was, yeah. He was an Indian as well, you know what I mean? And so you name whatever the achievement is, and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 he's a Welshman. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's all done very much in the style of Dennis Lilla's Charles, you know. I voice. was thinking it might be with the voice yeah. there, yeah. Well, I'll yeah. tell you what, what we should do is, uh, let's, if, if there's a video, let's uh, let's put a link on the, on the Twitter. I which shall is do. At, at Nice Things Show. Um, yes. But also, I know... Uh, that episode two of uh, Michael Woods in Search of the Dark Ages, which is in search of King Arthur, is actually on YouTube. A bit naughty that it's there. You should buy this series because it's beautiful, and they have restored the um, the film prints beautiful. as well. But there is a, a dodgy old ropey VHS copy on YouTube, so we'll put the links to both these things up. I think that it is fascinating, but it is fascinating as well, isn't it? The whole the whole sort of like approach to history. Yeah. And how we'll we'll look at it and go, oh no, that's that's wrong. When we discover it, no, that's wrong. So yes, we, we can't yes. have that. Well we going try and um, we think. make it fit our morals and our beliefs of the of the age we live in. We always do that. You mm. know, we always do that. It's it's like the classical um depiction 
of Jesus, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is based upon Zeus, who's mm. who's based. They're all based upon um, a archetype of mm. the heroic, aren't they? You know yeah. what I mean. So they're not exactly a, fi- a, a, um, a visual representation of what the person looked like. There's a certain classical face, a classical look that that people have going down the centuries. Um, mm. And so Alexander the Great is, has got the same face as well in statues and stuff like that. So we yeah. always change it to what's attractive to us. We always no, do. None of this is new. You know, no, no, none, no. none of it is new. And that's the thing no. that I find quite frustrating with a lot of people who are quite doomy about things. You know, mm-hmm. we we tend to drift into this uniformitarian mindset whereby, no, no, that's it now. It's always going to be like this. And it's like humans are like that because we, we are apex predators and we think that we control yeah. everything. And it doesn't mm. work like that. Things change no. very quickly. Mm, they do. And of course, as you say, it has to fit in with the contemporaneous morality that we have. So, which is, of course, that's why the Victorians, to me, are the most fascinating people, because mm. you've got this incredible morality that seems to be applied to those of a class below you. And yet, if you if you ever want proof that maybe it wasn't as straightforward as that, the highest concentration of child prostitutes ever recorded in this country was in the square mile around the Houses of Parliament in the mid-1800s. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, Not surprised. of course it would be. Not of surprised. Of course it would be round there. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? There's always this do as we say, not do as we do attitude. We're living in a time of it now. As far as I see, the times you discuss then and now, there ain't no difference. There's always, there always seems to be that two-tier society of justice, two-tier mm. society of morality, two-tier mm. society of everything. And unfortunately, those um, with the upper hand, they tend to write his story history yes. i mean the clue is there in the name isn't it mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely and it, it's it's yeah it's disturbing that we're at, at a point now of course where the, the, there's talk of removing this 20 pound top up um on uh on benefits so that people can eat isn't it that's now the latest thing that's that gonna all oh, right well there's been a, a 20 pound top up that was put on during the um during the lockdowns oh i see okay Got yeah you. so that people basically could eat now we're according to the government's own stats the six million people currently in food poverty in this country and we're about to remove 20 quid a week that would enable them to eat But a whenever bit more. you see them in the Daily Mirror complaining about it, they're always sat with their iPhones and a big fuck-off telly on the wall. <laughs> I, I mean, know, <laughs> I know, I know. But, but nevertheless, you know, we can take 20 quid off them, but on the other hand, we can afford three quarters oh. of a billion pound on a yacht, apparently. Oh, well, hold, look, look. The, it, go, it just, it, it goes even further, doesn't it? The it amount does. of, the billions they have made out of this. Mm-hmm. It's just been a feeding frenzy for everyone. And unfortunately, it's. I don't think they could have got away with this 20 years ago because there, were, there actually was more accountability. It's like no, they wasn't. tell you to write to your MP. I write to my MP all the time. Nothing. Do you know what I mean? No. I once had a, a, an email response from one of his underlings mm. uh, who I replied to, and then that was that. Uh, all yeah. right, pick up the phone then and complain You know, to your local town hall. Oh, ah, yeah. Right, okay mm. then. What you're going to get there? All you get when you ring any town hall in this country is a line whereby you, you know, do you want to pay us some money? Right, press here mm. to press us. This is turning into a very grumpy show. 
It is, isn't it? Well, we should <laughs> lift it. But I will tell you one thing. Well, I've experienced that when I tweeted, not my MP, but my mum's MP. Right. Um, to basically, and it, I think I was having a bit of a moan about the bins. And, you know, why, oh, why, yes. bins? Um, and I got blocked on Twitter for asking a question by an MP. No I wasn't accountability. Happy with, no I wasn't accountability. happy with that. Not too happy with that. But it is getting a bit grumpy. Should we lighten the mood a bit? We should. Have you had any nice things this week? Well, apart from Michael Wood, yes, I have, but I've got no way of showing you it because, of course, it's uh, it only exists in the in the ether, and I'm oh, yeah. incompetent uh, in so many ways with technical things. Um, but this week, um, I, I had a little delve through the contents of BritBox, and I thought to myself, I'm going to have a little look at something that I remember, sort of, and just revisit a little childhood memory, and that was Grange Hill. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, now then, um, that fascinated me. I'm sitting down, and I went for Series 7 of Grange Hill, and I can remember Series 7 quite well. And I remembered something about a tragedy in a swimming pool, and I thought Mm. maybe I'm misremembering that. And uh, so I flicked through the episode synopses, and surely enough, there's a tragedy in the swimming pool. I thought, okay, let's, let's have a look for this one. And there's an episode set around a swimming lesson with a new kid... Um, called Jeremy, who's come from the posh school from Rodney Bennett. Rodney Bennett, um, and is that what the posh os- school was called? In it, it was called Rodney Bennett. Well, yes, bugger me, you've yeah. now you have definitely tweaked in your on there. Yes, absolutely. Right, um, okay. Jeremy, the posh kid, arrives and he's uh, he's a dick because he's posh, of course. Um, so they ostracise him a bit, then they let him in a bit, then they push him out a bit, and all this sort of stuff. And during a swimming lesson, when he's mucking about, he throws uh, a girl's bracelet into the swimming pool and then, like, oh, I'll dive in and get it then. And he dives in and he drowns. Yeah, this is ringing lots of bells. Yeah, and and there's underwater photography done on this. They've got the underwater film cameras out for this episode. So I watched this and and it was quite shocking and it ends with a freeze frame of mr baxter performing yeah. cpr on this boy and it's like, oh god so naturally then i've watched the next one and the next one is beautifully done and it's an episode about grieving and how you cope with grief which i wow. thought that's really well done so I, naturally i stick with it and i watch the next one and the next one they lighten it and we've got a story in which a girl called Precious has claimed she's a hairdresser and she can cut everyone's hair and she gives someone the most god-awful haircut and it turns out she's not, which does lead to Mrs McCluskey saying to that to this girl, ethnic headwear is not allowed in school, um, which probably wouldn't say now. No. Um, and then you go from that into two episodes where some of the kids from uh, the, I think, the fifth year have gone off to a fake UN conference to understand uh, the situation in the world, and it introduces the audience to apartheid. Now, ah. what I loved here, and I'd, f- I'd never twigged that Grange Hill did this, each series focuses on two-year groups. Mm. It's not just random kids. So you've got, I think they're the second-year seniors, and I think they're the lower sixth or something like that. So to the viewers of Grange Hill, what you've got is you've got the group that I belonged in, which was the second years, mm looking up, aspiring to the to the lower sixth, 
Or if you were in the lower six, you could look back and reminisce about when you were in that year group. I've got a feeling that that came in later. I think when it first started, you just mm. had Tucker and Trisha Yates and all them, didn't you? And they you went right the way through. And I think probably as they were leaving, they had to introduce a first year, which is where you got your Zamos and, and your whatnots. That's and, right, yeah. And, and then the as year they below, moved forward, you got yeah. Gonch and whatnot. That's it. And I think as when Tucker left, we had uh, Susan Tully from EastEnders, Michelle Fowler. Yeah. And she's, uh, she was a year behind. So you had her class. And Susan Tully is a very good actress. Also, the, the, the year was introduced, the direct, oh God, in the second year they brought in another. Oh, was it always I, like that? Who knows? No, I, I think that you're right. I think what we got was we got Tucker's year going through. And then it was like, well, let's introduce another year and have them right. going through. So when Tucker leaves... Uh, Susan Tully's uh, year is at, at the top end, and then they introduce this other year. Yeah, and it's uh, <coughs> the structure of this writing is just—it's so it, beautifully written. It was. It it really it was great, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, you're watching it now, and it's standing up. Oh, it's and I'm watching it in a in a whole a whole new way. I'm looking looking at it as someone who's been mm. within the industry. I'm looking at it as a teacher. I'm looking at it as a, as a dad. I'm looking at it in all these different ways. And the best thing, and there's a little connection with Peter Watkins here, I think, which is that the kids are not stage school kids. They're not your average sort of 70s. You know, if you look at Children of the Stones or something like that, the, the kids were awfully... I think Susan well Tully... Wasn't Susan Tully on that classic clip where she can't say grand pricks on, That's on, right, on yeah. some kids' show? Now, I think she was from the Corona stage school. I th- yeah, I think they got them from Corona a lot of the time, but they weren't yeah. that sort of 1970s Children of the Stones where everybody spoke very intelligently oh, gosh, and rather quickly. No. No, there was no, none no. of that. No, no, no. Um, what you have is these very naturalistic performances, and some of them are beautiful. There's uh, Susan Tully, superb. Uh, Lee McDonald, who was Zamo, is superb. Yeah. And um, there's a girl... I like the girl um, who said Roland. Yeah, she's magnificent. I like yeah. her. I love um, how she had this unrequited love, because being a fat kid of those yeah. times watching, you know, Roland, Erkan Mustafa, as I recall, his name was. That's right, yeah. Um, and it was just sort of like, for, for I think for fat kids, it was just like, oh, maybe there's a girl who likes me. But well, but he, yeah. he, he completely didn't want to know, did he? No, he didn't, but it's still, it's a lovely relationship because, yeah, it's, of, it's, of course, it's... the girl who loves him is, is black and therefore is outside yeah. the average in Grange Hill. Yeah, He's yeah. the fat kid and outside the average. So they yeah. pair them up and it gives them lovely scenes. And then I've just got up to um, an episode where um, there's a girl called Faye Lucas, played yes. by Alison Bettles, and um, all the other girls are ganging up and saying that she's a lesbian. And I'm like, good God, was this on telly? I don't um, remember that. And that she fancies the PE teacher, and it's it's putting her off taking part in, in gym and things like that. And I just think, this is so bloody well written. And then yeah. you look at who the script editor is. Do you know who that was? All I remember is hmm. by Phil Redmond at the beginning, I think. Because it was like a comic, wasn't it? It's, it's That's like right, yeah. Thing, with the fork well, the, on the sausage. Yeah. Go on, go on. Remind The script editor me. is Anthony Mengella. Oh, right. Well, there who is. is. There you go. Absolutely <clears throat> wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. And I would, honestly, I would recommend to anyone watching, you'll remember Grange Hill. Of course you remember Grange Hill. But you probably don't remember that it's incredibly bloody good. And oh, I, I remember it was bloody good. It was oh, compelling viewing. It's stunning stuff. It's but, wonderful. You but, need to have a watch. 
the dumbing down of children's television this goes back to the dumbing down of, of documentary television you know, mm. the dumbing down of children's television. You know, you watch it and it's just like, boing, ding, bonk, bonk, hey, kids, and all this stuff. I mean, I've never watched that horrible histories, but I sort of, I suspect that that will, will also not be as great as things we watched back then. Well, I think that there's a fear now of presenting documentary to children. And of course, um, we grew up with those. I mean, I certainly remember uh, News Round Extra when you'd have a half hour yeah. news round. I remember that being wonderful. I could easily sit through that. I was a kid with ADHD undiagnosed at the age of seven, but I could follow that. I could be fascinated by that. Do you remember... And these... Go on. Sorry, go on. No, no, please go on. Well, no, I think it's just that what we've lost is the the belief that kids can focus. Um, and People, but particularly kids. Yeah, and I think also, and when I was reading up a bit on Grange Hill, because of, I was just thinking, this is wonderful. And of course, eventually it moved up to being filmed in Liverpool. Dreadful. For no, for Awful. no particular reason. Awful tripe. Yeah, and they, they took it out of Grange Hill, the school which was suddenly yeah. in Liverpool rather than Ealing. Um, and then they started setting it in some sort of special unit within there called The Grange. No. And... It seems that Phil Redmond was wanting to make it more issue-based because he got the rights back. But then Children's BBC had this uh, change of heart and suddenly everything, everything they were making had to be aimed at an audience that stopped at 12. Right. And that's why, why yeah. Grange Hill stopped dealing with issues. So who was making stuff in 2003... Uh, oh no, it's 2008 it finished, wasn't it, I think? 78, no idea. Yeah, 2000, it finished in 2008. Who was making things for the 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old? The intelligent 14-year-old, as, as that demographic used to be known. Absolutely. So Nobody's given any credit. Kids aren't giving any credit. Everyone says kids are this and kids are that and kids are the other. You mm. know, kids have still got a natural predisposition towards being inquisitive and curious. God, they yeah. do. Right? They do. Now, yeah. it's up to parents if they wish to nurture that, because if they want to just stick a phone in their hand and say, here, watch YouTube. If I was a kid, I mean, I used to sit there and I'd watch, I wore the tape out of Dalek's Invasion Earth 2150 AD. I'd rewind it and press play again, right? Yeah. So that's the mind of a kid. And maybe mm. I am a, a bit sort of autistic or something like that, because I, I can watch things. Um, but um, You're a chap, dear. We're all a bit. Chaps, we are all a yes, bit. We're chaps, chaps I'm afraid. Yes, yes. We yes. mature at 14 and we're all a little bit. Let's well, when I was a boy, being on the spectrum meant sitting at a computer. It doesn't anymore. <laughs> but um, um, but um, you put a phone in a kid's hand like that, and, and mm. they've got this brain that's a sponge. They're just going, what, click, 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 what, click, click, next, next, more, 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 more. And I think that you're going to squander the potential. And to be quite selfish, you might be losing, you know, the next sort of great world leader, the next great scientist, the next great politician. You're, you're, you're squandering a child's potential, which actually brings me to one of my nice things this week, if you'd... Good, if, if, good. If, if, are we done with Grange? Have I cut across you, though? Sorry. No, no, we are done with it, but I would say watch it. Um, just No, watch I intend it to. Because it's it's just wonderful. And they've just put Series 8 up, uh, which is Mr. Bronson's first series. Ooh. Ah, right, okay. Well, now you're entering real... Um, Real nice, range. nice yeah. things territory Lovely with things. Mr. Bronson, because mm. that's something else that uh, they think kids don't like—the crusty old man. 
And uh, as Sorry, we were discussing, oh yes. dear, do, do go on. Yeah. As we were saying the other day, you know, um, kids kids loved Blakey. Kids loved mm. Johnny Morris. Kids mm. loved Patrick Troughton. Kids mm. loved these crusty old men. Kids do. They love that avuncular father figure. Absolutely. Um, and so again, with this ageist cut off of actors, which I think has got more to do with why we don't see character actors and why we don't see, you know, people like Sam Autumn Wheeler, apart from the fact that he's been dead since about 1962. Um, But why we don't see these people on TV anymore is because, you know, this TV by committee thing, these people who are in charge, they tell us what we want to see. It doesn't work the other way. It um, doesn't work because apparently we all want to watch Vim Hoff, and I haven't, I haven't. No, no, I like Vim Hoff, but I, I mean, know well, you do. I mean, to be honest, Vim, Vim Hoff's a crusty old bloke. Well, yeah, that's he absolutely is fine. We'll is sit him down, and let him talk. Don't tell him he's got to take bloody Mark. Think some. I, anyway, I can't think of anybody I hate at the moment. All, the time. all he will talk about is ice and well, sick okay. water and the way it changes. You grow brown fat. Right. right. So, so give him a program on BBC Four where he's sat in front of a glacier telling me this. Don't, don't All tell right. him he's well, got to I, take he... Anton Deck to to Poland during the winter, and and I've got to watch them do extreme sports in the nude. I don't want to. I don't know if, if that's what the program is. If you watch his videos, right, anything hmm. that he's put out, right, you will see he would be more happy doing that kind of show than what he's doing. He really right. would. He really right. would. He lost his wife. Right, his oh. wife, I think, committed suicide, um, and he just went into a mad nosedive. Right, it was him and a couple of kids, mm. um, and he started getting into just like ice cold, you know, plunging himself into ice cold. And mm. he's, he, it's, it turns out that what he's actually done is he's rewritten a lot of the science of how the body works because he did it on this live Swedish TV show where he gets into this bath of ice and the scientists monitoring his temperature and all that. And they're like, right, well, this isn't meant to be happening. You're meant to be getting hypothermia and dying now. But what mm. you're actually doing is you're regenerating blood cells and growing new blood cells and developing this stuff called brown fat, which is the healthiest fat that you can have. So... In defence of Vim, but not in defence of the show that he's going to be starring in, um, he would be more happy on BBC4 doing a show like that. Right, now then, I, I like you, um, somewhat of a whore when it comes to work. If somebody said, Ooh, we're I going to do Paul Carmichael's Antarctic Survival, I'd do it. But I prefer would. To- of course I would, but I prefer to be on BBC4 doing that, obviously. Now, why can't we see Vim... Doing what you've just said, showing me that. Why do I have to watch Vim? But I can only watch Vim if he's challenging the people from steps to to run around in the cold. Why do? Be- why can't I? Because why? TV commissioners are telling oh. you what you want to see. The but they're planners, wrong. Are, they are wrong, and they're squandering what is actually a very, you know, I wouldn't say a talent because he's not a talent. He's just an interesting bloke. You know, where have all which the goes back, gone? doesn't it, to, to interesting people? You need yes. people, ugly people. By yes. God, they're allowed. Yes, uh, intelligent people. I want to see them. I want to hear them. I, no. I want to. No, you're not allowed to, dear, because because <laughs> well, people are cross. telling you, and that that's one of my nice things this week. So, um, Go I've on. not I've not read it yet, by the way. So, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which I've wanted to buy for such a long time. Victor mm. Frankl, being a Viennese um, psychologist and uh, neurologist um 
who who invented a thing called logotherapy, which is uh, about meaning, you know, based on the Greek logos for meaning. Mm. Um, anyway, so Viktor Frankl um, in 1942 was sent away to, I think it was Auschwitz and then Dachau and then other uh, concentration camps uh, in the first sort of... Uh, is anyway, his I know his father and his brother were gassed, right? It's just this unbelievable like weight of suffering and trauma that a human being can go through. So what he did was he wrote this book and he goes on he does a, a section on logotherapy at the front. Um and it's about man's search for meaning. He describes how he found meaning in those extreme circumstances. Wow. Um so it's just that is gonna be um, I know it's not light and frothy. We normally no. talk about light and frothy, but it kind of fits in with what we're talking about. Mm, um, yeah, it does. That is going to be, uh, I, I, from what I think, from what I've read of the review, I think that's going to be a transformative read. Mm. And so uh, I saw, I suppose I can't recommend it because I've not read it, but mm. <laughs> I recommend it. Anyway, I will no. report back because it's a, it's a slim, slim term. All right, yes. But, of course, uh, after today, you're going to have a lot of reporting back because you've bought an awful lot of books today. I've bought you? an awful lot of books today. And, <laughs> and, you know, from the sublime to the ridiculous one that I've still not started, I bought last week was... Uh, did I did I cover this last week? Or did I just say I'd ordered it? I think you said you'd ordered it, yes. Yeah. So uh, Chapman's A Liar's Autobiography is here, which mm. I love when you sort of glance at this. You don't notice that what you think is a cigarette holder is a syringe. Yeah. I, I thought it was quite good as a, a sort of qualified GP. I have got yeah. a tremendous amount of reading to do. A mm. tremendous well, we're, we're coming up to that point of the year now, aren't we? Where the, the nights are drawing in. It's perfect for books now. It's yes. Perfect. Yes. So, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I have a fair old pile right here next to me that needs needs uh, dealing and with. And more, as, as we more found arriving. today. Well, yes, because yes. we both ordered uh, Peter Salis's um, autobiography yes. today. It was a steal, yes. a literal steal on Amazon at the minute, kids. If uh, Yes. You know, it's where the cool kids buy their yeah. books, I suppose. What, how much was yours? Yours was about 70 pence? No, 349 delivered. Oh yeah, so basically, you're, yeah. Whereas mine was one pence and three pound seventy. Yes, yeah, so I did so. better in the end. But you got the hardback. I have got the hardback. You got the hardback. And so what we've got here as well. The, la- the there we go. So here the we go. final, the final edition of Nutty, which has no fanfare. It doesn't say great news inside for all readers, which these things generally used to have. I think there's a Twitter hmm. account of that name. And instead, all you've got inside is this. Look. We are moving. See you next week. We're joining the Dandy and Nutty. And that's and that your lot. It. That's your that lot. That was it. So what, what date is on that one? So 292. They didn't go to 300, as we've already discussed. Uh, September the 14th, 1985. So do you remember the yeah. Nutty going? No. So right. what it was was because of the, the way that the fiscal situation in which... Uh, uh, we I grew up. It was kind of like you had to make choices. So sometimes it was kind of like, I'll buy that comic, and then other times it was I'll buy that comic. And with being mm. a paper lad, I got to read the ones anyway. I didn't buy, so so yeah. I'd buy. I'd sort of uh, the Beano and the Dandy were constant, but mm. then I'd, I'd operate a kind of carousel of Topper, Bees, and Nutter, and all these things. Nutty, mm. Nutter, that's me. Yeah. Um, nutty. Um, so I'd sort of have scant issues of them, and because I'm a complete and utter crackpot, if I didn't have a complete run. Um, they'd have to go to the jumble sale because I can't have an incomplete run. No, no, no. no, no, no. So now no. I'm still having this trouble because I'm 25 issues now from a full 292 run. 
Yes. Yeah, okay. it keeps me awake at night, dear, I'm afraid. I, I can imagine it does. You know. See, it must have been... Yeah, do you know what? I can remember, uh, financially speaking, that's an interesting one, because I remember for a while I took both the Beano and the Dandy. <laughs> I took them. I, yeah, I took them. I took them both. But then my, my dad did uh, one day say, listen, uh, I think we have to make a choice, because, you know, I think they were 15p or each or something. It was Potentially like, right, they were. Yeah, this was 20p yeah. and 85, so. Right. So it was, a, it was around about that time when I was told I had to make a choice, because I couldn't have the extravagance of both the Dandy and Beano and the Beano one. Uh, for me on that one um, and and I don't regret I don't no regret I shouldn't either dear I mean it's one of those things isn't it you know comics again comes down to you know there's a certain um, what's the word god I'm so tired and I know you are too um, <laughs> there's a certain oh god what's the word Paul I don't What's know. the word I'm looking for? Can Please. you describe the word? I'll describe. I'm looking at the word. I'm looking at the word now. Okay. Uh, okay. What's all right. So, like? what's the thing with the orange brigade and uh, the, the Catholics? What's that argument? What's that? Oh God! I wanted to say Bader Meinhof, but it's not. No, that. Um, there's a description uh, of them. Something ism. Oh my mm. God! How can I not remember this word? I don't you know. know. Anyway, it'll come to me. So so there is yeah. that divide. What is that called? Jesus Christ, this is really bad. And Jesus Christ is the fault of it, I suppose. Um, Arianism. Something Arianism. Something Arianism. Arianism? Yeah, the, diff- the, the, the sort of the friction between Catholics and Protestants. Yeah. In Northern Ireland. Something. Right, you talk. I'm going to Google. Oh my dear boy, I, I don't even believe I can't even believe I can't. But listen, listen, dear this listeners, dear probably viewers. isn't a word for it. But no, on. there is a word for it. It's it's something Arianism. I know there is. Listen, dear viewers, uh, dear listeners, as you uh, as as other people have wryly observed, this is middle-aged men who can't remember things, um, yeah. and I think uh, I think this week we have reached new heights of word blindness. Um, we've had this is the second Google. We've had one each, um, and I can't even remember the word for the bloody problems between uh, the Catholics and the Protestants. Come on, but, sectarianism well, Arianism in Christianity is the position Jesus that Jesus is frozen. Of, sectarianism. It's not yeah because Arianism is the position that Jesus as son of God was cre- Jesus was created by God. That's Arianism, so sectarianism. Sectarianism, I couldn't remember the... So anyway, right, we'll have to cut all that out, I suppose, otherwise the boys and girls are going to know how how silly we can be. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's another example of sectarianism, and um, Mm. it goes back to this age-old conundrum we're always trying to settle about Granada and BBC. And I I felt that the other day, a discussion that we had quite got to the nub of it and I think mm. it was the religious programming on a Sunday yes, whereby so. songs of praise would be at sort of St. Snodbury's at, uh, at sort of you know Stockton on the world yes. whereas on ITV you'd have Highway which would yes. be just sort of like you know the local sort of scruffy um, St. Basil's mm. um, um, sort of Catholic repository so I think there was that side of it I also think on a Sunday certainly in Granada they did a show called This Is Your Right with Lord Alan Winstanley not to be confused with This Is Your Life which had mm. odd shaped vegetables for you Protestants so uh, uh, that's life I think that, that's what did I say This Is Your Life this is your Lord life. Almighty I'm so that's sorry right. I'm so tired okay. um, right. anyway so on ITV we had programmes that showed us how we could get more benefits and then we had Harry Seacombe singing in the Catholic Church, whereas you had 
Um, well, on a Sunday, um, yes. we had songs of praise and last of the summer wine. So and you that's see, life. I think that a lot of this is rooted in the Sunday. I also think a lot of this is rooted in adverts because it's just mm. like, oh gosh, I'm not buying any of that frightful rubbish. No, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I agree. I, I quite agree. And it's it's fascinating because I think I said to you the other day that within the little microcosm of just my immediate area, um, our neighbours who live directly opposite us, the Cunninghams, they, they were a Catholic family, but they were very much an ITV family. Um, yeah. And I think it was at their house that I first saw And this would hint. this would hint that, that financial... Uh, issues weren't really uh, of any relevance to these choices because presumably yeah. they were of the same sort of social and um, financial strata as your family. Rather better off, I have right. to say. Yes. Daddy Cunningham had a very, very nice job in finance and my dad was an agricultural labourer. So um, they you know, they were doing rather better than us. But an agricultural labourer in Liverpool yes. city centre? Yes. So How? Well, uh, my my dad's job was, you know, all the parks uh, that we had. Oh, um, I see. He, he was the person who maintained absolutely all the um, right. all the. Machinery. You made him sound like Matt Skilbeck for a minute. There. I know, I know. <laughs> that, that was the title, agricultural labourer. Right. Um, but basically a mechanic, yeah. Um, but um, whereas uh, Mr Cunningham had this lovely sort of job in finance, uh, but as I say, a lot more kids to feed than we did. Right. But. Absolutely. There you had the uh, there you had the Granada House, and and ours directly opposite yes. was the Northwest House, and you could really see that I think when um, on New Year's Eve, because for years, one year we would have a party at ours, and the next year we'd have it at theirs, and we'd alternate, and you could see the and hear the chimes of Big Ben on both channels. But I do remember that ah. little. Oh, it's midnight, but we're seeing it on Granada. Yes. And thinking, that, that's a bit something. That's a bit special, isn't it? Isn't that it felt funny? a bit naughty. Yes. The colours were always a bit more vibrant and the angle was slightly different. That's right, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I used to like, though, with that, and if we've mentioned this before, I'm sorry, but we're very mm. tired, ladies and gentlemen, mm. boys and girls. I used to like it when it used to pop up. For example, when Eric Markham died, and mm. uh, they'd do a bit on uh, the news at 10, and they'd show, you know, uh, Glenda Jackson and the boys, and it would always say, by courtesy of BBC television. Yes. I always I thought that was that. nice. And it, vice it versa. And vice versa, absolutely. Although, it's, it's a strange thing. I don't recall ever seeing an ITV-based celebrity's death being announced on the BBC. I do recall it being announced the other way around. Yeah, Tommy um, Cooper's got to have been. Oh, he probably was, yeah. But it, it's not something that struck in my memory. But I do remember, courtesy of BBC television, um, being something that I would have seen. Yeah. But I don't remember courtesy of I mean, what, ITV or Granada. I mean, there's thousands of the buggers. Yes, so I'm not, true. What do you even say with that? But um, no, I don't recall it being the other way around. Which is yeah, maybe it was courtesy of Thames Television or something like that. It One thing I've never like seen that, yeah. is Cooper dying on the show. I'm glad I've never seen it. You have, yeah, haven't you? I have. Um, I have because, uh, of course, it's one of those programs immediately after... Um, it was live from Her Majesty's, wasn't it? And That's right. when that was shown, immediately after, the tape, um, the, the master recording was put in a safe at ITV um, in someone senior's office, and the, it was never, ever to be shown. And then about 10 years ago, a Swedish TV company made a documentary about Cooper, 
and got hold of, uh, they got access to this tape. Now, obviously, we're talking about people and people are fallible. And I do know that there's a particular photo, I'm not going to go into detail, obviously, but there's a particular photo uh, that's held at ITV's um, central library that you just don't show. And it's, it's to do with a famous murder case. And you don't show this photograph. And I have a friend who, um, one of her responsibilities at ITV was uh, ensuring that nobody ever showed this photo. Wow. And some bugger was always putting it on there and said, no, you can't show the photo. But um, yeah, this Swedish company, somehow they were given the tape and it's like, oh, well, let's show this bit. And so they included it. They included that moment. Yeah. Um, and for a while, it was uploaded to YouTube, and that's where I saw it. And naturally, curiosity took over, and I thought, no, I think I have to watch this, culturally important. And I yes. watched it, and my God, I've seen some stuff in my time. I think that's the one thing that I regret, um, sit the, uh, the, the stumble, and the, you can just hear the word help when oh he reaches God. out to this woman. And then he crumples, and it's true that the audience laugh. They think that it's yeah. just an. Act they did when Sid he... died, didn't they? As well. Yeah, they did, and um, yeah, it's it's one of those things now that I really wish I hadn't seen because I, it's not something you'd forget. And I wouldn't recommend. It's it's not nice. It's not a nice. No, thing. I, no, it no. isn't a nice thing. One of the interesting sort of you know sort of side, little side note here is. Um, the story of um, Sid James haunting the dressing room at the Sunderland Empire. Because do you yes. know the story of Les Dawson in there? Do you know what? I only saw that somewhere. I read that somewhere today. Really? Isn't that bizarre? When How I was, bizarre? Uh, tra- on the train. And I saw that Les Dawson says he saw the ghost of Sid James and he never, ever went back to the Sunderland Empire. He wouldn't. Empire. Is that well, right? I, didn't, I didn't know he'd said that. I know mm. he, he saw something. From what, what I read was... And I, it's a long time since I read it, so I'm probably wrong. But what I read was he said he saw something and he wouldn't speak about it. And he wouldn't go back in there. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll find this. I think it no, was I'm sure Twitter. you're correct. It's a long time. No, no, since I'll, I, I'll try and find it and just it. Uh, put it out there. But it, it seemed to be saying that quite clearly that he, he believed that he'd seen the ghost of Sid James. Yeah, well, that was certainly the inference. Back. That was mm. certainly the inference. And he's not alone in that, though, is he? You no, know what I mean? No. Um, because I don't know if you've ever this is a bit of metaphysical chat here. I don't yeah. know if you've ever had any kind of sort of experiences like that. It's it's an in, mm-hmm. it's a it's a strange thing because I've had a couple of things happen to me like that. And you you as you go through life, you rationalise them, right? Mm. You say, oh no, it must have been this, right? I have a couple mm. of theories about ghosts. Mm, um, one of which is um, as um, Nigel Neal hit upon in the Stone Tape whereby the the remember we were talking the other week about the new form of storage which was quartz crystalline and they, yeah. was, they were able to store 100 terabytes on this little slither of crystal right mm. uh, and it would never degrade it, it it's uh, uh, an indestructible data storage mechanism yeah. uh, device so and what they found in these ancient monuments is that they when they dragged all these bloody rocks miles it mm. was effectively it's like why did they, well there's rocks around the corner it's like you know on the is it the Marlborough there's rocks that you can use there but they dragged them all from Wales for Stonehenge yes. yeah, well yeah. the reason that uh, they think now they did this was because of the magnetic properties of the rocks that those rocks were special because they had more magnetic properties so mm. um for for the one person out there who's never seen the stone tapes, so Nigel Neal talks about um, 
it's it's about a bunch of scientists trying to innovate sound audio recording technology who are holed up in an old manor house, aren't they? And there's a ghost in there. And the theory is, which I go along with, that um, what you have with ghosts is you have traumatic events that are somehow encoded into the the rocks, uh, the stones Mm. that a house is built with. Or it might be a cathedral, whatever it may be. That room, for example, the Sunderland Empire. So you can have experiences that are so traumatic that they're imprinted into mm. the the very uh, fabric of a building. That's, and I think mm. that when people um, are in certain states of mind, they can press play on that emotion. Mm. They're kind yeah. of pl- replaying um, a recording. So that's one theory I have. The other theory I have is the interdimensional thing. Right. whereby you know and that's to do with the sort of um, alternative timeline time or... for definite that yeah. we don't understand as much of time as we think we do right and i'm quite mm. bloody certain we don't <laughs> by the way um, yes um so um it, the fact that bits can rip through from other time zones and you simply you're watching things because certainly my uh, so so what i've had with sort of things i've seen i worked in a very old pub Right. right, when I was 16, I worked in a very old pub, um, and uh, I was telling an old boy to get out of there because we were shut in, and then the old boy wasn't there, and mm. then it was like I searched the toilets of the pub, he wasn't in there, and then the landlord got locked up, and then the landlord came down and I said, uh, do you have a mate who's gone up to the flat above the pub because he's gone, and I can't find, you know, I certainly didn't see him leave and that, you know, and I thought mm. it was in the toilets because, you know, you're in there like rattling things and shouting. And uh, he was like, "Oh, oh, what? What do he look like?" I said, "Flat cap, paint, and all this." Oh, you, oh, you've just seen Jack. So it was like, "Oh, okay, then, right, all right." So mm. that's that's a known thing. But again, I think that it's, you know, if somebody spent an awful lot of time sat in a mm. certain part of a pub, and I think that maybe part of the, you know, <laughs> the life experience is somehow mm. recorded into, encoded into the building itself. No, see, I do have one, and I, I've never, mm. I don't think I've ever told anyone this Ooh, one. Um, sharing it with the world, dear. I, I'll share it with the world. And it's interesting, hers on the arm have stood up, wow. genuinely stood up. When it's I a very hairy it. arm as well. It's a very hairy arm, it's Father. Really... Um, and it's um, near Northamptonshire. I used to do a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of touring around doing murder mystery shows. And for some reason, we were always doing these in um, Peterborough. I think at the Moat House Hotel in Peterborough. And we used to stop off on the journey back because it was quite a long journey. And in Northamptonshire, there's uh, the Rushton Triangular Lodge. Now then, it's it's a fascinating one. Um, Sir Thomas Tresham was jailed, and we're going back to the 1580s. He was jailed for 15 years for refusing to give up his Catholicism and uh, become a Protestant. So he served 15 years for that. And he was released, and he still refused to give up um, his religion. Obviously, you've got to practice it in secret, but no, it's still there. And he did the most wonderful up yours to the government, which was he designed a building uh, which was based around the number three. So it's a triangular lodge and everything in there, um, the the number three decorator everywhere. And of course, it's the Holy Trinity that this mm. represents. Uh, it's a folly. I think it was it was constructed over a number of years, but it was built. It was it had been built by about 1598. Um, and we used to stop there a lot. 
It's a fascinating Sounds building. Sounds amazing. It's it's beautiful. It's the most stunning place ever. Um, I'll put it. I'll put a photo on the on the Twitter. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. And we used to stop there all the time. And one day, I'd I'd been in there. Um, with a few of the others, and I went down into the cellar, and I heard what sounded like a rumbling sound. It was like from somewhere, but like, but, like more, but but not like a ghost. It was more like no. Uh, I mean, it's making of, me go a bit. Well, boom, yeah, just thinking about it. It, it was right. it was like the the rumble of distant sort of cannon fire or something. And anyway, then we we came out, um, and everyone was eating, and I said, I'm gonna go just back in just for a little wander around and I went back in and I went back down to the cellar and I'm looking around it so you've got these three walls and I had my back crazy I had my back to one wall and I heard a tiny tiny sob and it was a child's sob right and I can't explain this but suddenly I knew and I, I I can't explain it I knew what I was hearing was a child who was hiding during the Civil War. I know it. But mm. I've got nothing to base it on. It's not like I saw someone and they were dressed in mm. clothes of the period. It was just like, that's what that is. It was, yeah. But it, it arrived as a fact in my mind. It's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. So um, what I did was I thought, well, what do I do? So I actually stood there, nobody around. And I said, it's okay, it's safe now. And then I put 20p. On the windowsill, I said, "That's that's a little thing for you." And then I came out and I walked up the stairs and I got to the main door, which has got stairs down to ground level. Um, and a friend of mine called Roxy um, was walking up, and I was a bit sort of shaken. And I said, "Look, there's just this weird thing that's happened in the cellar." And he said, "Oh bollocks!" And I said, "No, no, really." And he said, "Well, let's go down to the cellar." And we went down to the cellar. There's no noise. There's nothing. And I said, right, well, I've put 20p for this girl, who I think was called Sarah, and I've got... And I, that arrived. That was just, like, I think that's her name. So I put 20p here, went to the windowsill, gone. Wow. Nobody else was visiting it. It was pissing down that day. Nobody was going in there. Nobody had come in or out. Nobody had passed me on the stairs. I put 20p there, and I took him down there, and I said, 20p, gone. It's the strangest thing, and yeah. I, I will swear to the veracity of that story until the day I die. I can't explain it. I can't. I can't explain how I just went, it's this person, it's a little girl, she's called Sarah, she's hiding from the Civil War. But, and there was a lot of Civil War um, mm. activity in that area. But that's that's a fact. Um, years, obviously, 60 years after, after Tresham had built it. And yeah. I'll never, ever be able to explain that, but I know that it happened. Just that little event that I think was captured, that little emotional event where mm. a child had experienced such an emotion yeah. that it was still somehow in yes. existence in, in there. Yes. But yeah. It's just, yeah. I've never told anyone that. Oh, there you go. wow. Well, I feel privileged. Um, yeah. But, but the... I think that that's probably one of the likeliest explanations uh, that it's mm. a, a traumatic event that's somehow becoming coded into the the sort of magnetic fields. If you think about how recording works of the rock, of the yeah. stone, I, I think that that holds. To, uh, I think that Nigel Neal to come up with that in nineteen seventy. Well, the TV show was seventy two. God knows when yeah. he wrote it. No. Um, but for him to to think like that now, and technologically, we are 
using you know it's actually come to pass the stone it tape. has um, it absolutely has there are more things in heaven and earth ratio you know absolutely that, and absolutely. as we discover more as you as you uncover such a fascinating thing i mean here am i so impressed with my 12 terabyte hard drive but suddenly yeah. on a bit of crystal i can yeah. fit about 100 of them yeah yeah it's it's fascinating absolutely it is. fascinating and it, and it does it does add some kind of alternate um purpose for 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 stone monuments that mm. they in some way could have been uh, the sites where traumatic events happened and that somehow you were able to press play on those things and you know mm. conjure up uh, for want of a better word a spirit yeah and of course Nigel Neal revisited that in the last Quatermass 79 with yeah. the idea of stone circles representing some terrible terrible disaster yeah um, and a marker being left under them uh, yeah. and the stones marking that so it, it does it's amazing, isn't it? I Nigel Neal, visionary. You know, oh he invented God. television drama pretty much single-handedly, but didn't just invent television drama. He he gave us this idea, which is slowly but surely it's becoming a reality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the stone tape, the most is spoiler alert, I suppose mm. here. But um, when they wipe the tape. Mm. When they wipe it, right? So they remove yes. this this traumatic ghost from this property, and then, unfortunately, underneath is an even more traumatic Ooh. recording, isn't it, of an earlier That's time? It. That's and we it. just you just see stone circle, don't you, and lights? Yes, that's it. And it doesn't end well for Jane Asher. No, no. At all. Yeah. It's a, it's a cracker that stone tape. I advise people to watch that if they've not that's seen absolutely it. Absolutely wonderful. It's brilliant television absolutely brilliant one of those times when it's not a series it's just a, a one-off 90 minute you know a yeah. 90 minute production uh, and rather beautifully it's not the combination that we're used to of um out of film outside and yes. then studio it's all made on tape yes For 1972 that's yes. quite something so the outside broadcast is on tape so it has that feeling that fresh it could have been filmed as a period piece it yeah. could have just been filmed it's, now. As it's a wonderful, and it has um, the wonderful Michael Bryant in an in- incredible toupee and and uh, what's a beard toupee called? I don't know what that's called, I but don't know. some sort of upper, upper body merkin, but uh, and that wonderful costume with his neckerchief. Oh, God, I love it when they're in the pub. He's just so uh, he, he's the chap you'd want around you, isn't he? Who's the guy who the John guy who's one of the scientists? I'm tempted to say John Ringham, but it's not John Ringham. No, it it's, should be. It's something like that. Should be John, 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 and, a big, and his name begins with an R. I can't remember now. But mm. um, you're very fond, dear boy, and I suppose this bursts your 1992 theory and my 1989 theory. No, no, I think we'd settle on 92 because the House of, Len- of Elliot, the mm. delineation point between the last three episodes. Go on. Most haunted. I am. You are a most haunted fan. Oh, it's a guilty pleasure, most I, I, I must say, I, I, when it was on, what did it used to be on? UK Living? It started on UK Living, and then it yeah. went to Really, uh, which was on the UK really? TV network. And then annoyingly, <laughs> so annoyingly, what happened was that the UK TV network, half of it was uh, sold, I think, to Discovery. And the first thing they did was they cancelled all the British programming and replaced yeah. it with American imports. Dreadful. Um, 
But yeah, I you know it's I find it incredibly relaxing. If I need I if do. I need a, if I need a nap, I put on Most Haunted, and I can I can, it just relaxes me so much that I can fall asleep. Not because I'm bored, I yeah. just find it relaxing. Um, it's, I, I, think I love it's, it. The John Shuttleworth stunning. series where he rings up Yvette Fielding and she's just pissing her pants. Yeah. And he's oh, like, oh, she, it's just that girl. She just, all she does is cry, John. And she's <laughs> just pissing herself on the phone. Look, like, you know. Do you know what? I absolutely, I, I love that series to the point where, and they're all, they're all over there. I shall, I shall show you next week. I've got every box set released, including the series two limited edition box set. And if you press the front of the box set, it's got Yvette's scream. That rings out, and I, I, the battery still works. Fantastic! Um, but what I love about what about Mary loves Dick yeah, and, right, and was, others? What was it, uh, Derek. Derek Faker? What was the the anagram of um, Derek Faker? Oh, Creed Kafer or something yeah. like that. It was called Creed, and but I think yeah. that. I think you had to uh, employ a certain amount of kayfabe. You know what kayfabe is, right? We talked no, no, about kayfabe. So no. kayfabe was a WWF wrestler who yeah. went public and told everyone that it was it was completely staged. It was all fixed. It was all rubbish, and the fans mm. just went, eh. yeah. And, and do you get well, what I mean? There is there is that, but I do like the fact that you know when. When Derek was actually, you know, he he overheard someone saying this name, and it was the psychologist that they'd employed yeah. using this name to try and catch him out, and then he came into contact with this. To be fair to uh, Carl Beatty, the exec producer and and, and Mister Yvette Fielding, yeah. sacked him. You know, because it's oh like, really no, that, oh yeah, he was sacked. Oh, He's only right, in. Fair enough. It's on. I think it's had twenty three series. Now, he might only be. He's only in the first six. All right. Okay. He may have been. Mm. Bloody hell! He was box office. Oh, he was. He absolutely was. But yeah, most haunted is one of those. It's a batty program, but I bloody love it. I, I, I may, genuinely I, I, love I'll it. I'll go with that. I I loved it too. I've not seen yeah. it in a very long time. Is it still running? Well, um, after <coughs> really got taken over by the Americans, and they were, we don't want anything British, so it was taken off. But you know what? They still produce it, and it's still produced to the same standard. They release it on YouTube, okay, and it gets a lot of viewers. Awesome, and that's my, great. I'll still watch it, it because you get the feeling that what it is, is it's not like we're, we're doing it because we're commissioned. They're no. doing it because they love it. It's, it's again, love. It's, it's the love. It's love. You know, that love that I think I can feel in Crossroads, I think I can feel in Most Haunted as well. I think there's something wonderfully British about it. The fact that the fact that Yvette Fielding, you know, will say, oh, I'm going to piss myself. <laughs> and she's ex-Blue Peter, which, which you like. She's ex-Blue Peter, and that helps, of course. That helps um, immensely. So, immensely but you know that's a program it's got love to it and i don't care if people say that's all fake i always say i'm gonna i'll get cross with this one michael because i always say to them right if you were gonna fake that program you'd fake it a bloody sight better than they do you know rather yeah. than because you would actually use a bit of cgi we can all do that but also the the things that do happen in it i i don't believe that the budget they spend is enough to even fake the fake bits that people think no. it's got. I, I think there's think a lot so. of psychological thing. I mean, it's like you know, as as I, I'm I'm really enjoying uh, when we end this chat to be alone in this big old house. Uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, you know, that's going to be great. Um, uh, yes, a house in which when I first moved in, um, you know, apart from, I mean, I do think it was my mum. Right, sort mm. of here. I I, th I think it was benevolent, whatever it was, but I was sort of in the front room once watching the telly, and there's a big clatter in the kitchen, and 
all the cutlery that was on the worktop was just on the floor, just whoosh, whazzed right across the floor. Then it got to the point I was coming home from work and the light was on in the back room and it was just like, fuck. And you just think you've left the light on, don't you? And in, mm. in the end, I ended up being in the back room and before I went into work, I was like, right, I am switching this light off now and I'm going out, I'm going to work. And I come back in, the bloody light was on. And it was just like, yeah, so I'm going to enjoy being in here on my own tonight. This could you be my that, own. Where's Yvette? <laughs> I want to cuddle. <laughs> You know, um, but no, I love that show as well. I've not seen it in a long time, as you can imagine, Mm. because UK living must be, geez, what, 15, 18 years ago? God, yeah, well, that series, it's been on 20 years now in various forms. You know, 20 years, and it's still still there. And I love it. Absolutely love it. There's something, it's, there's love in it. It's like, um, but with a bigger budget, of course, Time Team, isn't it? And I think yeah. that one of the greatest thrills we, well, I had anyway, was when we worked with Francis Pryor and Phil, uh, um, Phil Harding. Phil Harding, thank you. Um, oh. I just think, whenever I think of Phil, well, apart from uh, working with him, obviously, but whenever I think of Phil, I always think of uh, Vic Reeves doing that. Uh, it's like, right, no, I'll be this fella, and you be a uh, long-haired fella from Carnwall. Oh, you know Tom I mean? Price or something. Oh, Tom's, Tom, Tom and, someone, Tom and yeah. Derek. Yes. Tom yeah. Fun and Derek. Yeah, yes. Tom Fun. Isn't that fun? Um, no, you're right. The, the, there is a similar feeling to it there. Yeah. Fact, it is very similar. Time team, we've got three days to find this. Most yeah. haunted, we've got 24 hours. Exactly There's a little challenge, that. but that doesn't even matter. You don't That show has all sort of died out, hasn't it? That kind of show. there was Because I think it was it begat by the success of things like Changing Rooms and, and all mm. those other terrible, terrible things. Apart from the clip of Linda Barker smashing that woman's teapot collection up, which is always marvellous. Have you oh, not, seen not seen that? that. I should, I oh, she makes a big, big sort of hanging sh- suspended shelf from the seat. It's like, oh, it put all your teapots on it. You've been collecting since you were nine. And look at them. They look wonderful, don't they? And then the next thing, crash! <laughs> and it's oh! just like, and she's on the couch with this woman who's like, in flood, she's got her arm right. Oh, I'm sorry, love. I'm just rubbing her arm and say, I'm so oh. sorry. And, and she's like, <laughs> you know, because it's like, you know, her dead grandparents gave her this teapot, and this one oh, was, god. oh my god, smashed oh. to smithereens. Oh, no. no, you're right. It, 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 they do come out of that. So, something good has come out of that sort of whole late 90s sort of thing. But then, time team's sort of early 90s, isn't it? And I think. It, it it's I, I love that show and again it's something that has gone back into production as a YouTube exclusive and I'm has it really glad it ha- fantastic it has. well this again is the presentation of what we can prove historically there's a lot of conjecture with it hmm. but they didn't I mean you know they they found out what was built where and they sussed this out and da, 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 and then they'd all have a nice visit to the local and have a couple of real ales yes yes Lovely. so we've actually come full circle in this very tired discussion. We have, haven't we? Yeah, we've we've, we've actually managed to do so. I've, it felt like a chore this tonight at parts. I thought we're not going to do this, but I th- I felt it was quite nice. I've enjoyed this actually. Yeah, after we got over the initial anger of both being rather tired. Yes, think, yes, yes, absolutely. It, it because tiring. yes, so I'm I'm going to enjoy a spot of most haunted, and you're going to enjoy your haunted house now. Thanks, Paul. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to that. I'm oh, really, absolutely. really looking forward to that. I don't know how yeah. I'm going to exorcise that. I've got no lumps of wood from Toxteth to burn. 
Oh dear. Now then, just before we go though, um, yes. there is uh, one thing that um, uh, I, th- I think would be lovely and it would be very nice for us if any of you who are watching or uh, listening could do. Um, if you wouldn't mind, what we could do with is you going along to uh, the, well, ideally the Apple podcast app, yeah. where you can rate the shows. Now, the, the key rating I think that we should, we're looking for is a five. Yes. Um, and that would be jolly nice because it helps the algorithm. I'll say yes. that as though I know what it means. Um, yes. But even al- better al- if you... Algorithm, isn't it? Something like It's Al Gore, isn't it? Al Gore, yeah. yeah. It's um, dance. <laughs> Even better would be if you could leave us a little review because that would help us to actually get the word out even more and spread the idea of be nice wonderful. things to people. So if you wouldn't mind that. And of course, uh, you can uh, follow the uh, the show's Twitter feed, which we are trying to give attention to. But yes, it, we're going to give starts. more attention to. We are yes. going to get, and that's yes. at Nice Things Show. Nice thing. Uh, or alternatively, you can, you know, we've we've got our individual Twitters. Yours is yes. at Michael Livesley. That's correct. Mine is at P Carmichael Vo. So do feel free to pop along and give us a little follow and say hello there. That will be lovely. So uh, yes, thanks. So you're very good at this, aren't you? I, I do try. Yes. You're very good at this. I, I, we, but what we need to get good at is putting that at the start. Don't that we? would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, really? right. <laughs> Next time we're going to do that. Straight because away if, next time. If people have managed to uh, sit through uh, the two King Arthurs, yes. the, the Brutus of Troy founding Wales, um, yes. a most haunted time most team, and, haunted and Tommy your ghostly dying. house. Oh, God, everything, isn't it? Yes, it's all there. Uh, <laughs> it's been well, a right for, old ramble. It has been. We hope you enjoyed it, dear listeners, mm. dear viewers. We're very, very tired. Um, mm. Unfortunately, we have to work and. Well, we know what work is like. So why not somehow support us then? We don't have to. We can do <laughs> one of these nice. every night, couldn't we? Oh, easily. I'd be happy to do this That'd every night. That'd be nice, yes. Yes. Um, okay, well, it's it's time for maybe a fitful rest now with I the spirit so. of my ancestors dancing. <laughs> um, so anyway, have a lovely week, Carl, and uh, mm-hmm. from me, bye-bye. Bye-bye. to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Mm-hmm.